On a Monday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, we're here to have a conversation about the strengths and weaknesses of the offense heading into 2022. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you would like to check us out in a visual platform. But wherever you do get your podcast, make sure that you hit subscribe and follow and turn on those notifications so you get an update whenever we post a new video or a new podcast because you can see us in a visual platform as well. If you want to check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, if you're on Twitter, go ahead and hit me up with that follow at RichieBrads36. While you're there, go ahead and follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Before we get started, I do want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day, and I hope that everybody realizes the importance of today because it's not just, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, barbecuing and swimming in the pool and having some cold ones. No, today is a day that we celebrate and remember those who gave their lives in order to protect this amazing country that we have. So thank you to all our brave uh, soldiers and everybody else who has given their lives to defend us. Let's not forget that. Going forward with the podcast now, I do want to go ahead and between today and tomorrow, have a conversation about the potential strengths and the potential weaknesses of the Arizona State Sun Devils heading into 2022. The football team, of course, being what we're talking about in the first segment, we'll go over the quarterback position as well as the running backs. Second segment, we'll take a look at the wide receivers and the tight ends and then close it out with the offensive line. Overall thoughts on each of those different spots for the team, starting with the quarterback and running back. I am actually pretty confident in the quarterback position. When it comes to offense, this is probably the second most confident position I have. That feels like it could be a hot take, though. But the main reason is because of Emory Jones. And Emory Jones is a guy who I felt was a definitive upgrade over everything that the Sun Devils had heading into this year. Now, this was a guy who was really only a one-year starter with Florida, but in that time made a pretty good impact for the team. He kept the Gators afloat in a season that was honestly pretty forgettable for them. There was a point in time where they were ranked pretty highly in the AP poll, and he was a strong player for them. Now, unfortunately, things did kind of fall apart towards the end of the season, but some of that was because of the weapons he had. I mean, this is a guy who still managed to throw for 2,700 yards and rush for another 759 yards, totaled uh, 24 touchdowns, and that, that includes four rushing, one receiving. He threw 19 through the air, 13 uh, interceptions. Now, one of the things you do need to take into context is six of those touchdowns came against Sanford. So against higher-level competition, he was 13 to 13, but that is technically an upgrade over Jane Daniels, who was 10 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. 
I think that Emery is a more confident passer. This is something we've talked about plenty of times on the podcast, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. But he is a more confident passer. I think he's a more polished passer, and he's certainly better against the Blitz than Jaden Daniels was. Looking at the depth behind him, you know, it's not anything that really brings a ton of confidence to you. It's just a lot of unproven guys between Trenton Bourget and Paul Tyson. Tyson, of course, transferring from Alabama and Bourget going into his redshirt junior year for the program. Between the two of them, they have only combined for 27 pass attempts. But, you know, they they do have a little bit of familiarity with the offense, and this is especially true for Bourget, who has spent the entirety of his career with the Sun Devils. He at least knows kind of what's going on for the program, whereas Tyson is coming into Arizona State with very little familiarity with everything that is on the offense. Thankfully, Emery Jones is a much higher upside player and certainly a higher floor as well. Now, he was not here for spring practice, unfortunately, so he is going to have to take his own time in order to get familiar with the playbook as well as creating new chemistry with his weapons that he has at his disposal. It's not going to be easy, but it is something that I believe he's capable of doing. But, you know, we'll have to see how it ends up working out for him. All in all, I do think that Emory Jones gives me quite a bit of confidence heading into this year. I don't know if I can give grades. I'm going to attempt to give out grades here. I'm going to give the quarterback position probably a B to a B minus range, simply because it's completely unknown. But I do think that Emory lifts this up. Now, if you didn't have Emory, this is definitely probably a C minus position because of so much uncertainty, but at least with Emory Jones, you do have a guy who has starting experience and has capabilities to be a good quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and go with B minus as my final, just because even with Emory, you still don't exactly know how they fit into the offense, but you do have a guy who's capable looking at the running back position. This is definitely the strongest suit for the team. Uh, Looking at the top, Daniel Nagata is returning for his uh, redshirt sophomore season, and he he has some playtime experience with the team. Uh, carried the ball 56 times last year, turned it into 309 yards and four touchdowns. Considering he was your fourth option, if you want to include Jaden Daniels as well, and even if you didn't, he was the third running back on the team, I think that there is good upside here. I've gone on record plenty of times and said that he reminds me of Eno Benjamin. And I don't want to compare him to Eno because Eno is one of the best running backs that Arizona State has had in its entire history. However, I think that there's attributes here that remind me a lot of what Eno was. For one, they're very compact guys at five foot nine, 200 pounds for Nagata. I think that his situation that he was in is very familiar where he was kind of buried on the depth chart, but at times he shined as the, as the best player on the, on the, on the field for Arizona state in terms of a pure runner, obviously Rashad white was a a step or two or three ahead of everybody else. But in terms of being a pure runner, I felt like Nagata had shown some really nice upside for the team. I feel like he could really blossom into something special here for the sun devils in 2022. I think that, excuse me again, I think that Nagata 
should be heading into the year as the running back one. But if it's not him, then it's definitely going to be Xavier Valade. Now, Valade is a, uh, a so- or not a sophomore, excuse me, a grad transfer coming from Wyoming. In his time there, though, he managed to rush for over 1,000 yards twice. And in his 2020 season, he only played five games, but he did rush for 550 yards. He was averaging 110 yards on the ground, which would have put him well above the 1,000-yard mark as well. Has some upside as a receiver. Has caught 51 passes and turned it into 584 yards, a whopping 11.5 of reception. And he's a guy who is familiar with the end zone. He has scored 21 times in four seasons. It's not a whopping substantial number, but it is a pretty good number considering he is a guy who wasn't exactly playing for a blue chip program. You know, Josh Allen is no longer there. So he was one of, like, one of the main guys in, in giving Wyoming a good out, output on offensive production. And I feel like he could come to this program and do the same thing. Now, he is quite quite a bit taller than, than uh, Nagata, standing at uh, six foot. They're right around the same build. He is eight pounds heavier at 198. I think the Valade is definitely the more proven receiver, which is what could edge him out at the end of the day over Nagata for the top role on the depth chart. Regardless of what it is, I'd like quite a bit that you have two guys who could very much, well, compete for the starting gig there. And overall, you do have some guys behind them as well. Deontay Elliott was one of the guys who really stood out in spring practice. And you had Tevin White as well, who's coming in as a true freshman now for the program. Between all of them, and I will go ahead and include Case Hatch here as well. Now, Hatch being the fullback kind of Swiss Army knife that they have going into his redshirt senior season, I do think that he is one of the finer fullbacks that Arizona State has had probably since the Chris Coyle days. And I think that he could definitely prove to be a very, very good asset for the team, especially with the likelihood that this is going to be a very run-heavy offense. Now, Hash, Hash, excuse me, definitely not this overly productive player in the passing game, only had two catches for 12 yards last year and didn't have any uh, rushing attempts. I do think that he could have himself a pretty big role for the team this year when you consider how much they're probably going to rely on their run game. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give the group a B plus simply because we don't exactly know for sure if Nagata is ready for a full-time role, but you do have Validate coming in and you do have good depth. I want to give them an A minus. I really do. But for right now, I feel like a B-plus is more than fair for this depth chart. Let's go ahead and hop into our first break. When we return, we're going to go ahead and break down the, the, excuse me again, we're going to break down the wide receiver and the tight end positions for Arizona State heading into the 2022 season. This, of course, being the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today 
or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. And again, thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Tunnels your first listen every day. Make sure that you guys check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hopping back into our conversation now about the strengths and weaknesses of this team, we're going to go ahead and take a look uh, take a look at the wide receiver spot for the team. Definitely an area that Arizona State is going to see a massive transition with. Now, Brian Thompson, Andre Johnson, and Elijah Badger are the returning receivers who actually have experience on the field and had production last year. Brian Thompson, 13 catches, 130 yards, zero touchdowns a year ago. Andre Johnson, 12 catches, 186 yards, and one touchdown. And Elijah Badger, seven catches for 61 yards. Outside of that, there is no certainty here. Gone are Ricky Pearsall, your leading receiver from a year ago. LV Bunkley-Shelton, your third leading receiver from a year ago. Johnny Wilson, who was number seven. And uh, uh, Jordan Porter, excuse me, who was the 14th guy with one catch for 47 yards. That is a lot of change coming in. Uh, Brian Thompson really didn't have much of a role with the team last year, but he is heading into his uh, grad transfer senior season, including the year of eligibility that he had for the COVID season. He's likely your number one receiver right now. But for what it's worth, I do think that he could find himself into a sneaky, productive role for the team. Now, during his time, he transferred from the Utah Utes. During his time there, he wasn't exactly this heavily used weapon for the team, only toppling 33 catches during his four seasons there. But he turned it into 756 yards, which is nearly 23 yards a catch. Thompson proving to be a guy who has some deep threat ability, but more than anything is a create yards after the catch guy. I think that he could find himself potentially in the biggest role for the wide receivers for the team this year. I like to think that with everyone ahead of him gone, you know, you're vacating well over 150 uh, catches here. I mean, you, you're or right about 150 catches, I should say. You're losing Pearsall's 48, Rashad White's 43, Bunkley Shelton's 33, Curtis Hodges 20, and Johnny Wilson's 12. I mean, that's a ton, a ton, a ton of opportunity here for these wide receivers. And I feel like Brian Thompson has the most to gain. Now, he is 100% the more experienced wide receiver. Not so much on the roster because he is only going into his second season. But he is certainly the most experienced receiver in terms of years played and opportunity there. I think that Brian Thompson could very well end up being the number one receiver for the team, which potentially might not be a bad thing. I don't know. I have this sneaky feeling that Thompson could be a breakout player for the Sun Devils this year. Uh, looking at Andre Johnson, he's just got a lot to prove. I mean, this is a guy who at the beginning of the year really showed off the ability that we believed he could be as a deep threat for the team, but it didn't manifest into anything more than that completely disappeared in the second half of the season. And for what it's worth, he had 15 and a half yards per reception 
But doing that on 12 catches isn't exactly showing off consistency. Only had one touchdown as well, which came in garbage time against Wazoo from Trenton Bourget. Overall, I like to think that Andre Johnson is going to be in store for a more productive season. But unfortunately, I feel like I'm not going to hold my breath here. I, I like what he can bring. I don't like the mystery of it. Beyond him, Elijah Badger was somebody who stood out during spring practice. Potentially something special there. Uh, Cam Johnson, another transfer to the program coming from uh, Vanderbilt. He is somebody who was a preseason All-SEC player for, for, uh, for Vanderbilt heading into the year. Uh, unfortunately, didn't really turn into anything huge. Uh, 34 catches, 327 yards, and four touchdowns this past season as a senior. For the production that he put up uh, in, in a large role for the team as a starter, he managed 120 catches for the program, a little, a little shy of 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns for the team in three seasons. This is a guy who's definitely going to be looking for a larger role for the team, and the potential is certainly there. Again, this is a guy similar to Brian Thompson who's going to be coming into the program with arguably the most experience. Not arguably, definitively the most experience here because, again, Thompson, while he is going into his sixth season in college football, only has 46 career catches. So Cam Johnson could also be a guy who could potentially slide into that Ricky Pearsall role as the team's number one receiver and kind of the go-to checkdown guy. This isn't going to be a deep threat option the way that Thompson or Johnson could be, or Andre Johnson, I should specify. But he could potentially be looking at a really large role for himself. I think that Cam Johnson, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up being the number one option for the team. The only thing that's going to put him behind the eight ball for me is the fact that he's going to be behind uh, Brian Thompson and Andre Johnson in terms of experience with the program. Elijah Badger showed a lot of potential as a deep threat for the team. I think that he might be able to find himself into a good role as the fourth receiver for the team. You know, everyone's banking on Chad Johnson Jr. to finally make an impact. He's definitely living off of his father's name value at this point in his career. Here's hoping that maybe he can turn it around. I think I'm going to go in here optimistic, and I'm going to give it a C-. minus. I'm not overly confident. I'm truly not. I'm really hoping that these guys, especially the veterans here with Cam Johnson and Brian Thompson, hopefully find themselves a really good niche with the team. But C minus here, quite honestly, I feel like that's being generous just because you really don't have a lot of proven value coming back. I'm I'm entirely banking on potential here. C minus. That's going to be my final. Uh, looking at the tight end position, Messiah Swenson. Coming in as a transfer from Mizzou, the dude is absolutely enormous. Coming in at six foot seven, uh, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Really, not very much uh, production with the team, and i i wanna I wanna buy in the way that a uh, friend of the podcast, Donnie Druin, has been able to buy into him. But there is no no proven production here. He only has seven career catches. Uh, right about that 14 to 15 yards per catch range, zero touchdowns though. 
lot of unproven value here, but you certainly love the freakish athlete that he is because not only is he large, but he does move. He could find himself into that Curtis Hodges role for the team where maybe he doesn't see, you know, 40 to 50 catches, but he does have that opportunity to turn it into big plays for the team. So definitely going to be banking on that. Jalen Conyers, to me, probably going to come into the year as the number one tight end, uh, considering that he is the the the, the resident guy here, uh, was a redshirt freshman for the year uh, a year ago, six catches, 62 yards, one touchdown. Obviously, this is pretty much just as much production as Messiah Swenson has. But the difference is he's actually the returning player for the team going into his redshirt sophomore season. I like uh, Jalen Conyers as potentially a breakout guy for the team. All in all, I think the tight end position is 100% something you're going to be, you know, hoping breaks out. Beyond them, you have Bryce Pierre and Jacob Newell, definitely guys who don't have any production considering Newell is a freshman and Pierre is a junior transfer for the team. A lot of potential not a lot of production. Going with a D-plus here, I do think that they could be a, a nice surprise for the team. But it's potential. Just like the majority of everything we've talked about, it's all potential here. So I'll hold out. Until then, it's a D-plus. There's just no production to back up the, the hope that these guys could turn into something special. We're going to go ahead and head into our final break. When we return, we're going to take a look at the offensive line and my overall thoughts on the confidence I have in that position. This is the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. One more time, thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Sun Devils your first listen every day. Go ahead and make sure that one of your next listens is the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects and the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow the Lockdown NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Heading into our final section of this podcast, looking at the offensive line this time around. From left to right, according to ourlads.com, the projected starting lineup they have. Isaiah Glass, sophomore for the team. Ladarius Henderson, senior for the team. Ben Scott, junior for the team. Chris Martinez, grad, uh, grad transfer for the team, and Des Holmes, grad transfer for the team. That was left to right, by the way. So left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Ladarius Henderson, Ben Scott are the guys who have the most experience coming back, especially Henderson being a senior with the team, and I believe spending the majority, if not the entirety of his career with the Sun Devils. He's going to be the most relied upon piece uh, sliding into the left guard position there. I do have confidence there. I do think that Henderson is more than a proven guy and potentially somebody who could be the absolute strength and the best player on that offensive line. Isaiah Glass, a sophomore coming into this year, uh, 6'5", 280 pounds, certainly needs to add some weight to his frame. Very, very light guy. And he could potentially be someone who is looking at competition. Emmett Bull being a guy who is a transfer from the program coming from Northern State, six foot seven, 300 pounds. Again, not the heaviest guy, but definitely a guy who has experience. 
I think he's going to give Isaiah Glass a very strong run for his money for the starting left tackle spot. Definitely not a bad thing to have right now. Uh, ben Scott, another guy who's very proven on the interior of the line. Uh, Richard Jr. for the team. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he has experience at tackle, but I might be confusing him for someone else here. Regardless, Scott's another guy I have some confidence in. The right side is he's kicking in the center, so him and Henderson playing next to each other will give you a strength for the run game, which, as I talked about, is the best position that the team has right now. I believe I gave them a B+. Looking at the right guard, right tackle spot, you have Chris Martinez and Des Holmes, both transfers that are coming in. Martinez coming in from San Diego State and Des Holmes coming in from Penn State. I, I like them. I don't love them simply because there's so much unprovenness. Have you noticed the trend here? There's a lot, a lot, a lot of guys coming into this program that are transfers, that are you know, second-year starters. It's a lot. It, it is a lot to bank on. I think the offensive line is in as good a position as it's going to be. Henderson and Scott give me some confidence. Glass, I want to love him. He scares me with how light he is. And he's only a sophomore. And you have a, a senior transfer behind him with Emmett Bowl, who I, I feel like could be the day one starter. Martinez and Holmes, I love that they're transfers with a little bit of playtime experience. I'm not 100% if they were starters. Do not quote me on that. It's, it's not exactly the easiest thing to find. You don't really find statistics on offensive linemen, but you know neither here nor there. Overall, I like the offensive line. I don't love the offensive line. You are having to replace Kellen Deesh and Donovan West. That's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Well, Darius Henderson and Ben Scott's return is really, really good for the team. And then with the with the senior guys that you have coming in as well, uh, transfer-wise, obviously, Martinez, Holmes, and Bull, I think that all of them could find very big roles for the team. In fact, I might be a advocate for bull being the starter at left tackle simply just because glass just needs to add a lot more weight to his frame if he can do that then sure i would love to see him out there he's the youngest guy you know i want to see the potential that we have and whether or not he's a long-term option here because bull is more than likely a one-year stopgap for the team unless he does have a COVID season but i'm not 100 percent on that either all in all i'm going to give the offensive line a c i feel like this is higher than a lot of people would go ahead and rank it. But I do think that I, I do like what's there. I don't love what's there, but I do like it. I'm giving it a C. I like giving it a C. I think that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think that's about it. Let's go ahead and wrap up this Monday edition of the Lockdown Sentinels podcast again. I do want to thank all of these soldiers who have given their lives and continue to fight for this amazing country that we have. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. And we honor you guys on today's Memorial Day. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you would like to check us out in a visual platform, wherever you get your podcast, though, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button so that you get up-to-date podcasts. Hit that notification button, too. Wherever you get your podcast, though, 
we're there. Monday through Friday, the best Arizona State Sun Devils football, basketball, and a little bit of everything content in the whole wide world. If you're on Twitter, hit me with that follow at RichieBrad36. Follow the podcast while you're there as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. But until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.